I'm super excited to have with me today Ben Seymour, an elite endurance athlete and also a professional sportsman. And today we're going to be talking about all sorts of things from discipline, from mindset, on how to be successful, how to follow great habits, how to set great habits, and how to live a life where you just know where you're, going to, where you're going and what you're going to do. So Benny, I would love to welcome you to today's podcast. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess, where do I start? I'm 28 years old, live here in Sydney, um, work in the fitness industry. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a professional athlete. I used to play rugby um, when I first left school and then I stopped that when I was about 26, um, fell into the fitness industry because I loved everything about being fit and healthy and helping, helping others out um, and pushing my own limits. Um, and then yeah, I guess I just, I'm here today. Awesome. Well, firstly, thank you very much for being here today. Really excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so guys, for everyone that's going to be listening to this podcast, the main thing or the main reason why I initially tried to connect with Benny was because I was absolutely blown away by what I was seeing on social media. Um, basically, what I recognized was there's a very big difference in the fitness industry between a lot of different people. And I think the biggest difference that I noticed as like someone who enjoys fitness, but fitness isn't what I do as a job. But what I recognized was that there's people that tend to be out there posing for photos. Look at me, I've got abs. There's people who are posting sponsored stuff for protein, supplements, all this kind of crazy stuff. But one thing I did notice was that Benny was didn't really do too much of this. And it was, I kind of started exploring it and connecting and seeing and just watching what he did. Um, and I noticed that he was up to some absolutely incredible things. And I think I came across his content the first time where a very good friend of mine, Alec Baker, was actually filming him run a 250 kilometer race across the Atacama Desert. So firstly, I wanted to explore that a bit with you and find out a little bit more about what that meant for you, what it meant. Let's let's go through the natural course of progression. So what did it mean for you before? Like, how did you decide you were going to do this race? What were the reasons you were going to do the race? And then let's move into your preparation and then how it felt throughout the event. Yeah, so it was... Um I was actually traveling um, at the time. I was in Greece, and um, I had my friend Jackie Bell um, was reaching out, and I, I'd followed her. She is um, doing the four, was doing the four desert race. She um, passed it and completed it. Um, so at the time, she was like, "Benny, you need to do this race. You should do this race. It'd be awesome." And I was like, "Jackie, two hundred fifty kilometers. Like you're dreaming. There's no chance. You're unbelievable. <laughs> you know, there's no way I can do this." And then um, she kept. Kept messaging me, kept messaging me, and I was traveling at the time. I was having a good time in Greece, and then I uh, thought, well, look, if I can do 100Ks in the next five days um, while I'm over here, then uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so I sort of went out on this run in the morning on Eos Island, and it was, it was about 7 a.m. in the morning. People were stumbling home. It was about 40 degrees already. And so I just started running. I sort of mapped out this brief sort of run that I was going to do and ended up on top of the mountain up there and... and um, I just started running and running and I loved it. That day was awesome. I thought, oh, if I can back it up the next day and the next day and, you know, five days passed and I'd run about 110 Ks, I think it was. And I thought, you know, stuff it, I'm going to do this. And I just booked my flights right then and there to Chile. And um, I thought I'd, you know, worry about the race later on. And I just told Jackie, I said, look, you're going to see me in Chile. And, and that's sort of how it all panned out. Awesome, man. Like, crazy. So what, what like... What would understand it sounds like obviously you put yourself to a mini test to see whether or not you could validate the idea to actually go and do it or even yeah. obviously a hundred kilometers is nothing like yeah. two fifty but what like 
is it an erratic decision that kind of drives what you do or is there some form of like inner purpose that you kind of knew it fit what you wanted to do long term and that's why you were happy to make the decision or are you more of an erratic guy yeah it was definitely an erratic decision i mean i the furthest i'd run before that was a 50 kilometer race in new zealand um and that was not a great decision um, at the time you know it was an awesome race and i learned so much about myself but um it's definitely out of my comfort zone and that's kind of where i love to live but um yeah, it was just something that I thought, you know, if if I wanted to go and fight my limits, this was one way that I could do it. There was there's a hundred different ways that I could that I could do it, but this was one of them and it just um something hit hit me and I just thought, you know, this is awesome. I'm gonna go and give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah, amazing. Crazy. And so just moving forward, so you made the you made the crazy decision to say, I wanna do something and now I'm going out there and I'm gonna actually do it. What did it look like? So you're obviously away enjoying yourself, having a good time. I can imagine that eventually you got home <laughs> back to reality and you realized you had a 250 kilometer race coming up. How long did you have in between when you initially signed up to when you were leaving to go and do the 250 kilometer race? And what did that time look like for you? Yeah, so I think I think I had about seven weeks sort of between landing back in Sydney and flying out again to Santiago. Um, during that time, I didn't do a whole lot of running that I should have done. Um, I did another 48k run with a mate of mine um, in sort of preparation for that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm very well known as being the most underprepared person and my <laughs> mum will vouch for this and my dad. Um, you know, so the day before, my mum was running around for me. I was still working at the time and mum was running around for me getting all my compulsory gear. Um, and I had to fly it the next day, obviously. And, and these races, you never know until you actually sign up to one. And yeah, the amount of gear that this was a self-sufficient race, so which means you have to carry everything for the seven mm. days, including your food, everything except for a tent and obviously water they topped you up on. So um, there's so much compulsory gear, so much food and everything like that. And um, so, yeah, my mom helped me out immensely with that. And then obviously I got over there um, and forgot my bladder um thing for my water um and so on my first day yeah i stuffed up already but um that's just an obstacle that, yeah crazy crazy yeah. so so in terms of like organization so you obviously you've mentioned that you tend to go into these things underprepared but what i'm what i'm feeling and what i've seen what what you actually do and what you continuously strive to do is there's some form of like internal motivation here right it's not really to me, it doesn't seem like you're doing this just to, you know, get Instagram followers or there must be something within you that kind of allows you because I know personally, if I decided that in seven weeks, I'm going to go and run 250 kilometers, you know, it's not happening. Yeah. Like, it's just not happening. I've decided like 12 weeks ago, I'm going to go and try and run my first ever half marathon and I'm training every day to do it. Yeah. So how, what is it? What's driving you to do what you do? Um, yeah, I get asked this question a lot, I guess, like, you know, what drives you and things, what motivates you. Um, and for me, it's, it's very personal. I mean, I've got a, my purpose um, and my why is um, my family and um, not letting my family down. Um, you know, my parents have, have given me any, everything that I needed in my life and, that, you know, and that's not a monetary thing or anything. It's just the foundations um, of a hard work, hard work ethic mm -hmm. and um, giving me the support to go and do whatever I want to do. Um, whether they sort of or they've always believed in me but whether it's you know playing rugby or going and run 250ks I guess they've given that to me and that's that's why that's so personal to me so no matter what obstacle I face in life 
um, that is greater than any obstacle. Um, and that's my biggest thing that I tell people is that you have to have a purpose or a why that's very personal to you. Um, because I mean, in a desert like that, there's no internet. You can't scroll and scram for motivation, um, which you know everyone sort of gets caught up in that. And you know, I've been there and I've done that. Um, but yeah, having a purpose and a why um, is number one. Number two, I I raise money for charity. Um, and some someone that I met and Chris, um, who's a, a kid who suffered from Down syndrome and and got excluded a lot at school. Um, so. He was going to the Special Olympics. He's one of the best gymnasts I've ever seen and he's going to be a lot better than I am but gets excluded from a lot of things because people see in the disability rather than the ability. Um, so then I raised money for, for those guys who wanted to go to the Special Olympics, which has hap- just, it just happened, I think. And um, you know, when you're in the middle of the desert and you're struggling and you've got your family there and you can't let them down and then you know, you're raising money for these other people and your friends and family have been generous to give money for this, I mean, there's no, there's no quitting there. You yeah. can't, you can't stop. So awesome. That was sort of the two biggest things that drive me, and and I, that obviously my family with me all the time, but also everything that I do, I try and have some kind of element Greater. that's bigger than myself. Yeah, ab- wow, man. Charity, inspiring, like super inspiring. That's awesome. Yeah. So in terms of, I think a, a lot of people that I constantly engage with, they also they say similar things to me, like, how do you manage to do so much? what is it that drives me and all that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll get into this in later episodes of the podcast because I really want to explore you and what you do because I think um, everyone can really benefit from the work that you do and your work ethic. So one of the questions, as I said, that I'm always asked is how do I find my why? So it's very easy for you to tell everyone that your why is your family or it's raising money for a greater cause. But do you have any pointers or like, is it a way that you look at your life? Do you sit back and you think, okay, these are the things that are important to me. How can that drive me moving forward? Or what? do you have any advice for people that are listening to this to kind of say, hey, like this might be how to find my purpose or this might be things to think about or do you have any advice? Yeah, I mean, um, your work ethic is second to none and someone <laughs> that I definitely do look up to as well, man. So um, Cheers, man. Yeah, um, I, I guess... Yeah, I've with with sport and with rugby and stuff. I travelled a lot. Um, I was I was away from my family a lot of the times, and you know sometimes I would uh, sign a contract and be in France in three days' time, and 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 that's kind of hard. But I was twenty two at the time, I believe, and you know, I could have thought like, no way, am I leaving my family and my friends? But at the other side of it, I thought, look, my family's always going to be there, um, and this is such a great opportunity. Mm. So that. That was always a driving factor. I, I, I don't know exactly how to find your why, but I think it's got to be something that's really, really strong to you. Mm. And it doesn't happen like, uh, you know, I'd hope that you'd love your family, and um, but not everyone does, I guess, for different, various reasons. But like, yeah, it's a hard one to find your why. It's got to be something that's very, very personal to you. And no matter what obstacle you face in life and no matter what gets thrown at you, you can really go back to that person. It could be a friend. It could be mm. your partner. Mm. Um, but I always know that I could go back to my family no matter what. You know, when I was living in France, I was 24 hours away from my family. Mm. If everything went to crap, I'd fly home and my family would be there. Sure. Um, so I guess, yeah. I just So I think, I mean, in terms of like finding a path or finding purpose or your why, it's, it's obviously blurred lines between a why, a purpose and your path. But something that I do and I'm interested to get your thoughts on is 
I take like a step back and look at my life in a current situation. And obviously your why is something that drives you long term. Yeah. But I take a step back and I look at the from a like I guess a bird's eye view of what's currently going on in my life. Yeah. So is it business? Is it life? Is it fitness? Is it friends? Is it social? Is it finances? Is it my um, relationships with my family? Is it what's important to me at that current time? And I think allowing yourself the ability to step back from your day to day every now and then, whether it be once a month or once a quarter, to actually reassess what's going on in your life, I think it really helps you decide where to next. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. So I'm kind of keen to hear your thoughts on do you ever take the time to reflect in order to move forward? Because I know from an external perspective, for probably people who don't know you too well, it literally just seems like an upward spiral. I mean, you know, you're sponsored by every second fitness like (laughs) brand and like they're very well-known brands and people really follow you and engage with your content. And, you know, I, I always message you asking you how to do certain exercises and you're always there to, you know, you set me up with all my gym routines and workouts and all that kind of stuff. So I look up to you, but, from my point of view, and I think everyone else's point of view, it always looks like an upward spiral. So do you take that step back to reflect and move forward? Or is it more, is it really just an upward spiral? No, definitely. I I think you do need to take a step back. There's lots of things that you can do. I guess obviously taking that step back, giving yourself some time, like I'm I'm big on, you know, me time. Mm. And whether that's first thing in the morning um, or, you know, later in the evening, and we can elaborate sort of on that kind of stuff, I guess, a bit later, because that's quite a, a cool topic that I've yeah, um, done a lot of research on and and find helps me a lot. But I guess also, you know, the word failure or, or something that you consider a failure, um, for me, is just a huge learning curve. Okay. Um, so I think that's also something that's so important in life is, you know, I my goals and aspirations are so high that, mm. of course, you're going to face failures and mm. you know, not everything is possible at the time. Mm. Um, so I guess getting knocked back, I've been knocked back in rugby and contracts and things like that. My career ended when I didn't really want it to end over a pay dispute, but um, that's sort of things that were out of my control. Um, but you know, I had no idea what I was gonna do after after playing footy. That was all I, all I knew since I was about four years old. So mm. for me, that was could have been considered a failure, but it was definitely just a learning curve. And to, I learned so much, not only about myself, but how to, value yourself um and then you know living away from home in foreign countries learning languages and everything like that um i think that's yeah taking a step back learning from your failures and mm. things like that um, yeah awesome. Is awesome yeah cool so definitely recommend taking a step back yeah. reflecting in order to move forward yeah definitely. awesome so i think that leads perfectly into where i kind of wanted to take this conversation next so one of the things that Um, people asked me to discuss with you today was the idea of an obstacle and is an obstacle if you fail to climb the mountain is it a failure or do you learn along the way or if you can you learn along the way get to the top and then not make it over the mountain and it's called a failure or to you is everything just learning so you get to that point where you can't do what you set out to do but do you take that as a positive or do you take that as a negative and how can we help the people listening to this podcast today overcome what they think are obstacles or failures yeah like yeah i, I guess you're always going to face obstacles in life and and these events that i that i do take on there's always an obstacle um mm-hmm. you know in chile my shoes were too small um for the altitude and the heat that we we're in, so I had to, you know, cut my shoes open and have my toes 
hanging out the front because I lost all my toenails and, and you know, it was disgusting. So before, I know, I know you probably don't want to talk too much about this, but before we actually jump into this overcoming obstacles even yeah. deeper, let's actually dig into this a bit. So you flew over to Chile yeah. and you misjudged the altitude or something or how did that work? What yeah, your, your, so your feet became we're, we're swollen? 10,000 feet, so just uh, three and a half thousand meters altitude. It was obviously super hot in this, I think it's one of the driest deserts in the world. Um, didn't really plan on, I wore new shoes, um, <laughs> which obviously is a big no-no. And if you are doing you know, something like this, altitude and heat, then you want to get your shoes one to two sizes bigger. Sure. Um, and I kind of like wearing my shoes quite small, so this was just an absolute disaster waiting to happen. But yeah, I guess, long story short, we set off. First day, um, we had about 35Ks. My feet were you know, relatively screwed after that. So pretty much a marathon on your first day. Yeah, and That's then the crazy. second day was again about 38Ks, I think. Um, so coming down into the last checkpoint, which is about 28Ks into the day, was a huge sand dune. So um, you have to take all your sort of clothes off and shoes off to get the sand out because you don't want any chafing or rubbing through your back um, with your pack on or through your shoes. So I took my shoes off and I probably shouldn't have done that because it took me about half an hour to get them back on just through pain. Um, the last 10Ks took me three and a half hours just to walk. Um, wow. Luckily I had poles at the time, so I was sort of like hobbling along using them as crutches. Um, and then from there I was in the medical tent. And yeah, I guess through through that three and a half hours, I was telling myself and trying to justify quitting and that it wasn't obviously a failure. Um, I didn't have to answer to anyone when I actually did, but you know, I was going through enough pain at the time that I, I could quit and and that was what I was going to do I was going to cross the finish line go to the medics hopefully they were going to tell me you know look your feet are pretty bad um you know I don't know if you can go on and you know these are the answers that I was kind of searching for and telling myself and then the next day you know I woke up and they were like oh you know Julie uh, the head medic there who's a good friend of mine now was like you know Benny just cut your shoes don't, don't be soft and just, just have a crack. And I was like, oh, okay, right. I like, you know, don't tell me I'm soft. So yeah, I cut my shoes. I was like, look, I'm going to run 10Ks and then that's it. My feet will be sore. Uh, I might a few painkillers and whatnot. And that was my best day. I just put my head down and just ran. Um, I pulled a good time and pulled back some good placings from there. And then, yeah, just every day it was just about managing, obviously, the pain and the swelling in my feet and things. So I'd have to sleep with my feet up on a chair in my tent to try and get the swelling down. Um, in the morning, I'd have to pull my sleeping bag off my feet because it was stuck there because of all the stuff coming out of my toes. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, disgusting. So, like, <laughs> just putting my shoes on was just torture every morning. I mean, yeah. And then to finish that in, in the top 20, um, which wasn't a goal of mine, but as sort of the race went on, I was like, you know, let's go, let's go, let's keep going. Let's just keep rolling with it and just, you know, you can rest once you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, purpose and will and everything just took over. Awesome, man. Wow. Seriously, amazing, amazing, amazing achievement. So I think one of the things that you and I always joke about, we have this ongoing thing about being a man or a mouse, because I tend to complain to Benny when he sets me up with a 40 minute session in the afternoon, and it seems like absolute hell. So I think, um, obviously, we've heard from Benny today that um, obstacles really are exactly that, just obstacles. And it comes down to how bad you really want it in order to overcome those obstacles. But not only, it doesn't actually matter whether or not you do overcome that obstacle, it's the learnings along the way that are really important. So, yeah, I, th- I think you should be searching for obstacles, you know, like no one wants the easy path and nothing that you will achieve, nothing worthwhile 
is is easy to you know achieve mm. um yeah whenever you have a setback and being like oh wow i just walked into a million dollars or yeah whatever makes you happy it's not going to be money but i just walked into this and and it just happened mm. nothing ever and i'm sure you know you're a hard worker and you got so much going for you in business and stuff but nothing's easy yeah ab- absolutely um, i think i think the feeling that you get and when you overcome a certain yeah. obstacle or when it is tough is worth the fact that it was tough times yeah. 10. Yeah, that's so what I, that's what I search for, I guess. So yeah, awesome, man. I mean, it, I think it's such such an amazing mindset to have. And I think in today's times where people are so caught up with social media and what really looks real where nine times out of 10 these days may actually not be yeah, real. Um, I think people really have been pulled into the mindset that things are easy to have and things are easy to get. So I think what I'd like to kind of transition into now is the idea of the successful mindset and mindset and how do you do you actively work on your mindset? Because obviously, you know, something really close uh, to home for me is mental health. Yeah. And as a lot of you guys know, and for some of the listeners, I basically did a 24 hour sled push in a gym where we raised $25,000 for Beyond Blue who look after all things mental health. And obviously mindset and dealing with, you know, this current the current climate where people are continuously posting nice holidays and i've got a six-pack i'm in fitness i'm doing this i'm doing that and everyone seems to see these lavish lifestyles how how do you maintain a positive mindset and a mindset for success is it that me time we spoke about is it are you actively learning do do you sometimes have days where you just can't do it or you don't want to do it can we talk a little bit about what you do yeah absolutely i mean Instagrams is a highlight reel of everyone's life um, and that's sort of the way that it is I mean I like to be as real as I am on there and and yeah I have bad days um, and I'll probably go quiet sort of on Instagram and try and you know escape it or I mean for me personally it doesn't affect my life um, whatsoever the other day it kind of crashed and, and everyone was freaking <laughs> out and I was like you know like how good's this like this is real life this is what we what we you know should be doing um, yeah, Instagram highlight reel of people's life. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing, and especially with mental health, is being like content within yourself. Mm. And that's something that um, I practice a lot of, and 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 that me time, and you know, waking up in the morning and and being grateful to to be alive and to be able to do what I do on a daily basis and enjoy what I do. Mm. Um, I think having that kind of mindset from the get-go in the morning and, mm. and, and making some positive affirmations um, is something that I never thought I'd do, staring at the mirror and being like, you know, today's going to be awesome. This is what we're going to get done. And um, I was lucky enough to go away to an Under Armour sort of summit um, in the in the States and talking to their high-performance team. And this is something that they really recommend and, and that there's some research around it or a lot of research around it and the benefits of it. So Okay. Can, so, can we talk a little bit more about it? What yeah, is, so what like... Everyone can relate to waking up in the morning, rolling over and turning their alarm off on their phone and then <laughs> opening Instagram and going for a scroll. <laughs> I mean, you know, if 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 you're not content within yourself, like that's a no-no, don't do that. But if you're not content with yourself and you're opening up Instagram and seeing someone else's highlight reel, then like you're starting your day on a negative straight away. Mm. Um, so for me, you know, I don't use my phone in the bedroom. Um, I use... I do use the alarm. I should just buy a normal alarm. That's what's sort of recommended, just a normal clock. Mm. Um, Having that in my room and no phone, but yeah, waking up 
and then just standing up and just sort of being grounded um, and taking in some deep breaths, doing like a little bit of mobility, whether it's a deep squat or, you know, rolling your back out or, you know, rotating from side to side, something like that um, is is what I do. And then I go and hydrate myself because, you know, okay. you've been asleep for, I don't sleep for eight hours, but I wish, but, you know, <laughs> however long you've been asleep for, you're not, you know, you're not drinking any water or anything sure. like that. So trying to hydrate myself. And then from there, it's, you know, just just having some me time, some positive affirmations and, and setting myself up from the day. From there, then obviously, you know, you can go and check emails and whatever you want to do. But mm-hmm. if you're waking up, getting out of bed and, and replying to someone else's emails or checking someone else's Instagram feed, you've given your day away straight away mm. to someone else. Mm. Um, so that's sort of my biggest things in the morning. And then in the evenings is obviously trying to switch off from social media at least 45 minutes before bed. Um, I enjoy watching television and watching the news in current affairs. Um, so I kind of do that or even if I'm just watching TV but just zoning out you know and just just relaxing um, you know daylight savings I love going down the beach but obviously with that now it's getting a bit chilly yeah absolutely cool so I guess the big takeaway here is for everyone that's listening is if you check out Benny on Instagram um, his Instagram handle I will tag it in anything we post this in but it's Seymour Benny S-E-E-M-O-R-E B-E-N-N-Y and you'll really see the genuine and real authentic feel to his Instagram. It's all about fitness and what he does, but it's really like an insight into his day-to-day and how he helps people achieve what they want to achieve, whether it be fitness, life, um, inspiration, etc. But it's really the raw content of all the hard things he puts himself through to get to where he is today. And as I said before, this is really what I connected with. Um, So another thing that I came across you joking about i guess a lot in your instagram particularly in your stories is the idea of emptying the tank so i see you joking around with the boys in the place you train and stuff and can you give us like a little bit of example of what it means to empty the tank there's obviously the physical like you know explain it to us what does it mean is it just is it a mental thing is it a physical thing what's what's the idea behind it um yeah it's definitely just a physical (laughs) thing and i just I just love just like absolutely emptying the tank and just like of energy, you know, you just, you finish whatever you've got to finish and you can't stand up, you've got nothing left. And that's kind of um, what I enjoy. It kind of came across in New Zealand. Um, I did a, an event called Red Bull Defiance with a very good friend of mine, Warren Proctor, who is just an absolute animal. And, um, you know, I thought I was, you know, reasonably mentally resilient um, and just this bloke just blew me out of the park. So <laughs> on the second day, we had um, a 30k mountain run you know, after a kayak and a bike. So this was sort of the way home. And um, we tied a tire tube around my waist and connected it to his backpack. And he just like took off. So he was just towing me up this mountain, Roy, wow. Roy's Peak. Um, we ran like the second fastest time out of the whole day or whatever it was. But he just towed me along and he's like, come on, empty that tank. Let's go, let's go. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like I live for this. I love it. Um, whereas you know, other people you know, don't like that kind of um, hard hard talk, I guess, or whatever mm. it is to mm. motivate them. Mm. But yeah, I just love it. And um, so I did that and I took it into New Zealand again when I did the coast to coast run mm. from West Coast, East Coast. Um, yeah, the kayaking and, and running and biking. And um, you know, I was on my last bike about 70 k's home, I think it was, or 75 k's. And I was just down in my time trial bike, down in um, position there, just hammering at home and uh, I was just yelling at myself empty the tank empty the tank and <laughs> everyone next to me like these guys was looking at me going what the hell is this bike talking about and I just I just couldn't love it anymore it was just awesome, awesome. 
Cool, man. And so I think people that are going to obviously be listening to this podcast will probably be listening from different like faculties or areas that I've managed to connect with them over my life so far and a little bit of people who follow me for different things. So um, I have people who follow me, I guess, or listen to what I say in a business aspect. Then there's also a little bit about community and volunteering. But now there's also quite a lot about fitness and a lot of it is actually the fitness side is driven by what you do for me. Um, so what I'm interested in hearing now is obviously this emptying the tank concept is something that allows you to drive yourself to do more. Yep. If you had to apply this to a business situation, what what would that mean for you? Like when you think about run, working with your clients, is it, you know, you emptying the tank to ensure that you give your absolute best to your clients or how can people use this in their own lives? Yeah, definitely. I think it's emptying the tank and, and, and giving to um, your clients or whatever it is in your business and stuff, but still looking after yourself because I'm big on, you know, if you're not content within yourself or you're happy within yourself, you can't help anyone else. Mm. Um, if you're continually giving to other people and helping them out, which is what the health and fitness industry is kind of about, um, then, you know, you're, you're going to suffer for that. Mm. And whether mm. that's through your mental health or your physical health, um, you know, yeah. But I empty the tank in sort of everything that I want to do. And, and whether it's physical in the gym, um, or helping someone else out, um, then yeah, I love it. Or just writing programs that you get smashed in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I must say, your sessions are some of the toughest <laughs> sessions I've ever done in my life. Well, I have to give a lot of credit to Beefit and, and and Dishy there for uh, yeah a lot of the programming side of things there. Yeah, no, it's uh, they're unreal, unreal, really unreal. Um, so I think um, being the sort of guy you are in a sense like to me i see it you're up i get up pretty early i'm up at about five ten to five every day and then i look at your instagram and you've been (laughs) up for already like 30 40 minutes and i'm like man geez i'm playing catch up here um so what i like there's obviously something behind that so what i'd like to explore with you is for me personally um wake a lot of people say to me especially in the business world like why do you wake up at 5 p.m. when you're going to be working after hours as well on your side hustle etc and what for me the feeling of getting up before anyone else and having an additional one hour two hour to set myself up and start actually doing stuff within the day is what drives me to do it yeah but i'm getting up at five you're (laughs) getting up at four so what what are those extra hours for and are you in the habit of doing it what's what's the story there yeah, well, I guess a positive is when you're getting up at that kind of time, no one else is awake and you get some me time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and at BFIT, our first class is 5.15 in the morning. So if um, if I'm taking that, which um, I haven't been doing of late, but I was doing it and you know, you'd have to be there at quarter to five to help set up the gym mm. and then you know, be ready by five-ish. You, know, you want to have some, some energy about you because everyone's sort of coming in, they're sleepy and you've got to rev them up for a big session and give them some positive affirmations or whatever mm. it is. So, mm. um, and obviously that takes some time. You can't wake up and be like that straight away. So mm. having that extra, extra bit of time in the morning to get up and not get into work rushed or you mm. know, stressed um, mm. from the start of the day is uh, yeah probably why I do it but um on the weekends it's not great because if you don't want to get up that early your body clock's used to it you still sort of do sure awesome man so so I think in terms of there sounds like obviously your passion is for helping these people that come into the gym every day you know so it's driven by yourself obviously but you you like to see results in the people that you work with yeah I think I think in the health and fitness industry a lot of people um 
aren't relatable or mm. you know what they're doing is unattainable to mm. to the masses and the masses of is what we need to get health and fit again you know mm. like the obesity crisis and and the mental health and things like that and and um motion creates emotion and things like that so i think i think a, a big thing why I do, a big reason why i do these things is to put myself out of my comfort zone um, so far out of my comfort zone that I can be relatable to people who step foot in the gym for the first time. Mm. Um, because I remember the first time I stepped foot in the gym and that was scary, but I loved fitness. So for people who hate fitness but need to do it for their health, physical or mental, um, can be the most daunting thing ever. Yeah. But it will be one of the greatest steps in life that they'll ever take. Yeah. Um, and you know, we all have down days and things like that. But you go to the gym, you hang out with your mates, and and you come out better, better for it. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. That's what I do on a daily basis. So I'm very lucky. And and like you, you know, you got, you got your little crew going down at the, at the <laughs> North Sydney gym. And, <laughs> absolutely. And it's just awesome to see and and the sled push challenge and things that people get behind. Um, but yeah it's a daunting thing stepping foot into a gym and, and mm. for me stepping foot into a coast-to-coast event where I've never kiked before and I'm kiking 70k's down a river with rapids <laughs> and yeah you know, whatever it is and I'm, I literally flipped over twice and thought I was going to die um you know that for me is like stepping out of my comfort zone but but being relatable and being able to relate I'll never ever be able to relate to someone completely um you know that might be completely obese and stepping foot in the gym for the first but I would do my best to be relatable to that sure. person um, because I just do, I do know how daunting that is. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think the big, the crazy thing for me and a lot of people that are listening to this, I think, is everyone when they hear you've done a two hundred and fifty kilometer race and you're doing it coast to coast in New Zealand and all these literally crazy events. I think you're a psycho, and I think <laughs> pr- probably everyone that's going to be listening to this will okay. think the same. Um, but I think the the amazing thing is is that I still have the ability to connect with what you you provide me, yeah, and absolutely. we can still connect on a on a level where you understand where I'm at with my fitness and life and mental. Because I think it it's like you know it's almost like a pyramid. Yeah. It's you like your mental, your physical, and then your day to day life and how those two play a part in what yeah. you do, your triangle. So I'm interested to know. Like what? What do you think it is within you, and what's important? What's something important to be able to connect with people on a deeper level? Because I think as we've been talking, we've spoken a lot about social media and the fitness industry. And to me, I think eighty percent of what goes on in the social media fitness industry is absolutely rubbish. I think so much of it is fake, and so much of it is um, you just do what I do, and it'll work for you, which. I've been caught in those programs. Yeah, I've paid yeah. hundreds of dollars for online programs and everything like that. Yeah. And it didn't, I didn't look like the guy in the photos. Yeah. I, so, so what is it that allows you to connect with people on a deeper level and understand them? Do you spend more time actually talking to them when they come into the gym? Is it you just understand what it takes to get to where these people want to get to? What is it? I think it's just being open. Um, yeah, just being open. I mean, one thing that I learned, and this is, this is going back to my rugby days, is when I went to France, I, I studied French at school for a year and I actually just used it to, to wag the uh, class and not go to. <laughs> so sorry, mum and dad, for that. But um, you know, I, I never thought I'd, I'd need to use French. So I went to France and I was sitting in this, in this office um, and this guy was explaining where I was going to live and he couldn't speak any word of English, right? And I'm just sitting there going like, what is going on? Like, mm. how am I going to do this? Mm. But... I just relaxed and just went with it and um, I was really open-minded to that and, and I would always 
go down the street or to the shop. Even buying groceries was difficult. You know, mm. people would ask you, "Do you want a bag with that?" Or, you know, "How are you going to pay for that?" And you just look at them like, oh, "I have no idea what you're saying." saying. Yeah. And and so when like I see someone come to me in the street or be like, "Hey, you know, where's this coffee shop in Bondi?" Or "Where's this street?" Or how can I get fit, for example, or anything like that. I mean, you've just got to open open yourself up and put yourself in their shoes because mm. if you're going to close yourself off, um, you know, you're, you, you're just shutting shutting someone else's dreams down, I mm. guess, as well. Mm. Um, so be, trying to be as relatable as you can, open as you can to anyone. I mean, like when I first met you, you thought I owned Beef at Gym, you know, <laughs> and I remember that meeting forever because, you know, it was so awesome just connecting with someone who... We didn't even know each other and we sat down for coffee for an hour and it was like we'd been mates for a year, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and now we're still mates and we're closer than ever and you help me out so much with everything that I do on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, being open and just just accepting things and rolling with the punches, I guess, and hopefully no one's punching you, but you know <laughs> what I mean? And, and and just helping, helping everyone out. Everyone is in this this world for a reason and wants to be successful in whatever they want to do and mm. no one ever got to the top by by themselves mm. and by punching everyone down absolutely um, you've got to get there together so yeah that's my biggest thing I guess awesome yeah man I think that's such a real real genuine takeaway for people that are listening to this and so even, even even with my events you know without Alicia from Compete Nutrition like I would have been starving legend. in legend. in the desert you know I had to I reached out to Alicia and I said look I've got this desert run coming up in about two two weeks, I think I gave her. And she had all my food planned out to the gram of how much my bag was going to weigh each day. Um, Unreal. You know, and like that literally saved my life. My biggest fear of that running race was actually starving. Starving. Um, you know, and <laughs> Alicia just saved my life. And Crazy. Yeah, I guess like reaching out and helping each other out in, in things. Like we're all not good at everything. Definitely. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I think that's super, super important. So I think what we've discussed a lot today is the idea of like, you know, mindsets and how to continue moving forward and things like that. But one, I guess a very clear takeaway here is open yourself up and be a little bit vulnerable in situations to be able to connect with people on a deeper level. And taking, drawing from what you just mentioned about Alicia from Compete Nutrition, who I must say is an absolute legend. Um, She now helps me with my nutrition as well. Thanks to Benny for hooking that up. Um, But what I'm hearing as well now is you're not actually good at some things. Yeah, 100%. So you're not actually good at something. So so let's, let's talk about that. So you're an incredible athlete, right? But in order to be an incredible athlete, you need a support team. So I want to know, what I want to know here is one of my big business philosophies. I used to believe that in order for me to make it and have millions of dollars and have a massive impact on people's lives, that I needed to just gun it, do it myself. If you don't want to hang out with me, don't hang out with me because I'm going to make it to the top. Quite recently, over the last few months, and a lot of people have, you know, seen this shift in my focus. My focus is now on let's collaborate because there's a hell of a lot of room at the top. And in fact, we'll all get to the top a lot quicker if we work together. So jumping back to the fact that you're not good at some things, (laughs) let's talk about that. What does it mean for you? Like, how are you identifying? You're saying, hey, like Benny, I'm good at this. I know I'm a good athlete, but in order for me to be good at what I do, I need others to help me. How are you identifying what you're good at and what you need others to help you with? Yeah, um, I guess I'm kind of good at not delegating but like subcontracting I guess you could say I mean I'm not I'm not a cook and I don't enjoy cooking so I don't do it um you know I look for meal prep situations 
because it's more time effective for myself. Sure. I mean, I don't grocery shop. It might cost me a little bit more money, but you know, if you're a PT, for example, you're charging an hourly rate. So if you're charging $100 an hour, you, if you work 24 hours a day, you're making $2,400. So as a PT, you need to look elsewhere to be making money. Because if you want to make a million dollars a year, you're not going to do it PT. Um, sure. So just to, before we go into like what the other areas that you can, you use to help yourself become the person yeah. you are today, in terms of you know identifying, okay, you don't like cooking, right? Yeah. Now you're going to spend more money on food because you're going to have it prepared for you. Yeah. What's driving that? Is it time efficiency? Is it yeah? Time. So without that time, you wouldn't be able to be the person you are today. Or what's the story? Yeah, I guess you know time is everything, really. Um, if you for me with my training load, um, you know, training for these big events, sometimes it's four to six hours training a day. Um, you know, on top <laughs> of on top of your workload and and trying to get your sleep in and then your me time and everything like that and you know share share your time with. Uh, people if you're in a relationship with your family or friends and things like that and having that kind of balance um, yeah I guess everything's about time efficiency okay cool and yeah no I think that's awesome and I, I personally have looked into them before yeah. and I think it's a great way to say to yourself okay when I get home in the evening I know I'm going to be eating something healthy that fits my plan and allows me to continue doing what I'm doing yeah. but it's also going to give me an hour extra time to relax yeah. And I think in a high-paced life like you live, I think it's super important. So I can see how that benefits you. Yeah. If I'm hungry, I'm never going to... And open the fridge, I'm going for the chocolate. I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going for the chicken, sweet potato and broccoli, you know? I'm, yeah, I'm going for something bad. So let's 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 uh, delve into that. Is it okay to eat chocolate? Yes. Why? Because life's too short not to eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things actually I recently, we, we often talk about this and I always say to you on the phone, I absolutely love cho chocolate, right? Yeah. But people see me training in the gym five, six, seven times a week. Yeah. And they say to me like, Chad, you've got such a big fitness focus, but you'll finish a slab of chocolate. And after a while, it started to kind of get to me. And I'm like, well, why am I eating this chocolate? And then you know what, I kept putting it off and I was like, well, no, I can't eat the chocolate, bad food, bad food, bad food. Yeah. And recently, like chatting with Alicia again from Compete Nutrition and yourself, sometimes you just need it. Oh, 100%. Sometimes you just need it. Yeah. And it's been an interesting thing to explore. Um, but anyway, jumping back to what really matters yeah. here, other than chocolate. <laughs> um, so where else in your life do you see, like, this is a hard question and a lot of, I don't like, I really want to explore this for everyone listening today because I think, a lot of people jump and focus solely on their strengths. Yeah. But I think in order to be extremely successful, you do have to have some form of understanding of what your weaknesses are. Yeah. Where, where in your life, other than obviously your nutrition, which we've spoken about, who else do you look to for advice and help? And what areas do they tend to be in? Yeah, um, well, outside of yourself, who I look to for advice, and you help me out a lot. Um, you know, business-wise and things like that, um, content creation-wise, etc. Um, definitely my parents are my sure. go-tos, the things that they've sort of been through business-wise um, and life, you know, life coaches. Mm. Um, definitely someone that I look up to and go to for advice and, and run ideas off and things like that. Um, other than that, I guess it's just your surroundings. So, you know, with, with my surroundings at BFIT, training um i run a lot of things off benny the owner and and sammy um who runs all the programming and sort of head coach there and he does all all the programming that i follow 
Mm. Um, for most of these events sometimes I do a little bit of specific stuff outside of the gym but mm. mostly in the gym it's him so I look to these guys for advice and talk to them about how I'm tracking along uh, my nutritionist Alicia mm. um, and then obviously some of the like the brands that I'm working with obviously mm. they're massive companies and and they've got high performance coaches there or, or product developers and things like that that you know I just try and use my networks as mm-hmm. well as I can mm-hmm. to um, to learn as much as I can Mm. But yeah, in terms of weaknesses, obviously organization is not my strong point. <laughs> sure. Um, but whether that's just being lazy or just loving obstacles, I'm not sure. But, um, <laughs> so you're trying to tell us all that you're lazy so that it gives you a daily obstacle. Yeah, yeah I've got the daily <laughs> obstacles. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough question. Yeah, no, of, of course. I think it's a it's an interesting one to explore for anyone who's yeah, kind of definitely. excelling in their area. Yeah. Um, so I like to kind of pose that on people. Um, in terms, I think something that I've recently been really delving into and exploring is the emotions of being scared and excited at the same time. Yeah. So what I've recently found, and I've been reading a lot about the two emotions, is which is actually really weird for me, if I'm totally honest, because in the past, all I've read about is business and self-development and motivation. But recently, I've kind of shifted into more of a psychology space to kind of learn more about the body, about the mind, all that kind of stuff. And the two emotions of being scared but excited at the same time seem to me to play a very important role in someone's life or play an important role at certain times in people's lives. So for me, I believe after my research and actually looking and doing a bit of introspection, I think those two emotions actually come about at some of the most amazing pinnacle moments in my life. So what I wanted to kind of explore with you is, what do you think of those two emotions? And also, do you also experience them at the same time? And then also, if you do, has it been, for example, at the start line of Atacama, but where it was probably one of the toughest events you've ever been through. Yeah. But imagine the, fe- or you know the feeling of how it felt when you finished. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the emotions and how do you think it's, is, that, is it a real phenomenon? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, to be honest, I think I probably live like that, you know, being scared and excited at the same time on a daily basis when I get up, when I've got a training session, I've got to work or I've got a meeting or, or, or whatever it is. I think I, I really thrive off living sort of that life on the edge. Mm. Um, and that's where I learn a lot about myself and, and your strengths and weaknesses, I guess, as well. Mm. Um, but not everyone enjoys that. Mm. So it's about understanding that, yeah, not everyone enjoys that. So you've got to um, see where they're coming from and, and and not put pressure on them, I guess, to, yeah. to live like that. Um, yeah, at the start of a race, you're definitely um, scared as hell and excited and, you know, you... you you want to I just love going through that whole journey um you know for coast to coast it was like a 15 hour journey from one side to the other and there's times where you just wanted to give up you had no idea where you were I'd never done the course before I was falling asleep on my bike and 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 things like that but I guess that yeah that feeling of being scared but but excited just got me through through everything yeah yeah so I think it's yeah it's just an interesting thing for everyone to take away in in moments where you are feeling really scared or out of your depth just know that if you make the right decision at that moment it could lead to one of being one of the greatest decisions you ever make from what you're about to experience and if it doesn't you learn from it exactly exactly I don't remember having 
a day when I wasn't scared or excited and being like, oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, you know, like yeah. You're like, oh, what a waste. Absolutely. I think like actually a very personal example here is I'll work in the office, say 7 a.m. until 5-ish p.m. And on the train on the way home, um, I'm looking at my phone, I'm bringing up my Excel spreadsheets and I'm looking at Benny's (laughs) sessions and I I am petrified. I'm looking at this thing thinking like, how am I going to get through this? But I arrive at the gym and I've got a group of about between five and 10 people who join me most evenings to train and get through the session. Sessions, yeah. we all literally look at each other thinking oh my god how are we going to get through this this is the worst thing ever i think some people might even shed a tear during the <laughs> sessions um but then it finishes and it's just the most incredible feeling so obviously that's a very micro example of how the two emotions play but i think if we all choose and take a second to step back and live our lives in that space or you know everyone's got a different everyone's got different feelings around how risky and risk averse they are and what risks they like to take but if you have none of these emotions at the same time in your life right now let's try and get five percent into your lives and make it happen because i think what we can all experience together through experiencing these emotions and being vulnerable and allowing ourselves to experience them at the same time could lead to actually some of the most incredible achievements we've all had yeah absolutely and there's times where i've doubted myself and in things that I've been doing or, you know, even better is when someone else doubts you or says, yeah. you know, like, that, that's not possible. That's not physically possible. Science doesn't doesn't support that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go I'm going to go out and give it my best shot. And if I pass or create something new, then then that's cool. So that was sort of another big thing about last year was, you know, you can't be an endurance athlete while training strength. Um, and yeah, you're not going to be the strongest person that you can physically be and the most endurance-based person that you can be at the same time because it just doesn't work. But for me, it was like someone said to me, you know, you, you can't deadlift 250 kilos and go and run a, run a marathon after it. And I thought, you know what, like stuff you, you're not going to tell me how to live my life and 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 whatever, you know. So I, just, so I put 250 on the bar and deadlifted it and I uh, went and ran a marathon straight after it and like I was sore <laughs> as hell after that you know I couldn't walk for a week but I did it and yeah, awesome. so yeah I just thought why am I going to let this person tell me how I can live my life and even if I do fail it's a learning curve I would have gone back to the gym trained a hell of a lot of strength and gone and done it still mm, mm. you know um, so yeah yeah awesome man so I think coming towards the end of the podcast today what I wanted to kind of discuss with you is what has been you've achieved a hell of a lot in the last year that i've known you but also i look back and you've achieved a whole lot more so what what to you has been the biggest achievement so far and and why because that you've achieved a lot and i want you to choose one that was the biggest achievement and i want to know why it was as well so what makes whatever you're about to tell me special well, it scares me of what I've got coming up. <laughs> uh, if, if, if I've achieved a lot, I guess, yeah. I mean, looking back, yeah, I have achieved a I feel like I've achieved a lot and I'm proud of what I sort of have achieved. Um, but like the biggest thing for me is making my family proud of, of who I am, the person that I am, and not just by doing these events, but just being who I am on a daily basis mm. and, and having the friends that I do have. Um, I just think it's, a true reflection of of my parents and my surroundings mm. um you know the person that you are so yeah i guess that's probably what i'm most proud of um you know being able to help people on a daily basis in the gym um 
is obviously awesome. Mm. And and seeing how people change and their lives change, you know, people's lives like completely change mm. um, through health and fitness. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess just family is my biggest, the biggest thing. one. Yeah, awesome, man. I think that's, I mean, it's not unique, but coming from someone who seems so intrinsically motivated, and maybe that is why, because your family brings you back to where it all started, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a unique thing that I've heard in a sense of a lot of people who do amazing things tend to be driven by things external or the drive for money or the drive for fame or the drive for this. And I think that's something that really yet again makes you, you mentioned that a piece of advice for people is to be open when dealing with or meeting new people or helping others. But I think this actually could be at the core of what allows you to connect with people is that you're you're internally driven by something that is so close to home and so meaningful to you that it, even though you don't think it does, it comes across in your relationships. Yeah, I think a big thing that I learned from you know running the desert and, and something that I, I spoke about in the video that I created um, for it was having like that purpose and that why it has to be internal because external things are so airy and fairy. You know, if you're if you're driven by something externally, it can it could be there one day. And it might not be there the next day, mm. and then that might be when you need it. So everyone relates to Instagram. Um, you know, if Instagram's not there, there's no internet in the desert, and you're motivated um, by that. Whether you're motivated by someone else or motivated, you're motivated to complete this to post that photo on there or post that video on there. Mm. Um, you know, and it's not there. How are you going to work? Mm. How are you going to mm. achieve what you want to achieve? So, yeah, definitely being you know internally driven. Um, at the core of what you do, but then you can be externally driven to help others or anything like that. Absolutely. And obviously you don't want to do everything for yourself and be a selfish person, but there has to be some form of being selfish in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you, can, then you can afford to give to others. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that's so awesome. And I think such a great takeaway for everyone that's listening to us today. Um, in terms of, obviously I want to keep moving forward and give people some short, sharp stuff towards the end of this to take away with them. Biggest obstacle that you've overcome so far and the biggest le- so we might be talking about yeah you finished the 250 kilometer Atacama and the obstacle was running through a desert that's like the hottest place in the world yeah. but what was the learning from one of these failures or obstacles that you not just the learning at the time like for example like you cut your shoes and then you could run more but what was a learning that you've experienced over the last few months that you're gonna definitely keep in your mind moving forward um, you're definitely capable of a lot more things than what you think. Your okay. body is, your mind will give up before your body. How um, how how much more do you think you have left? Oh, so much. There's, I don't even know how to put put a number on it. But like in that run, I wanted to give up, but my body kept going. My body looked like it should have been giving up, but you know, I just wanted to keep on going. To give everyone an idea, at what stage? at what day out of how many days or what hour of how many total hours did your mind want to give up and then you made it to the end um halfway through day two of seven so day two of seven so that gives you guys an idea of just how much further you can push yourself than you think so in terms of i guess the idea of moving forward and i think that's so funny just because i know we mentioned earlier in the podcast the idea of being a man or a mouse but these days when i'm on the rower in our sessions and i'm looking at the cows burnt 
or the cows road or whatever it is and i see i'm road like 10 and i've got another like 35 to go all i'm thinking is on either side of me i'm like benny in my head it's like dude are you a man or a mouse are you a man or a mouse and every single time it's literally my my mind has told me to give up so early yeah even though i'm so strong-minded but i know i can go further just because you've inspired me to realize that I can actually do more than I think I can. And I think that's such an amazing thing um, and an amazing thing to think about for everyone that's listening to us today because I definitely see that in what you do and it's definitely moved across into my mindset. So if we can give, if people that listening to this today can take away one thing, I think it's so important to realize exactly that, that you can do way more than you think you can. 100%. Way, way more than you think you can. Benny, so another fireside question. Habits, right? How do you define your habits? Like, do you have any bad habits? Do you focus on getting rid of those quickly so you don't have them? What do you think of habits? Are habits important? Yeah, definitely. Habits are very important. Um, My bad habits are probably ice cream and chocolate. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I don't let that that, uh, shape me too much. Um, Definitely having good habits around eating, sleeping, um, you know, and your training um, and then also giving yeah the me time. So I think that are all kind of habits to me. Um, awesome. Yeah. And in terms of if people listening to this podcast today could start one thing and they're interested in fitness and they kind of want to take, whether they're just beginning or they're an elite athlete, what's one thing that they can t- attempt to put into their lives that you're finding really helps you on a day-to-day? Um, Finding something that, that's internally driven to you and means something to you and just get up and get moving and get started. Don't let anyone else control um, what you can and can't do. I mean, awesome. you know, so many people don't want to move because, oh, you know, they think about what other people are going to do for them and judge them and stuff like that. The moment that I stopped worrying about what other people thought of me um, was, was, you know, the best day ever. Yeah. Awesome. So not thinking about what other people think of you, it's easier said than done. 100%. The people who matter most to me know the person who I am um, and the ones that don't matter, you know, that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. That it doesn't matter, exactly. Awesome. So. No, that's definitely a good, out, definitely, definitely a good outlook to have. Um, in terms of, I guess, keeping momentum and when you finish an event or you finish a big session, I tend to drop to the floor, lie on my back and, you know, think, whew, I'm done. Let's, yeah. how do you, how do you keep moving forward? And how do you, you know, I've got a very competitive mindset. So, you know, I'll run, for example, at the moment, as I mentioned before, I'm training for a half marathon. Yeah. If I get up in the morning and I want to run 10Ks, every time I'm going to go and run 10Ks, in my mind, I have to do it better and quicker. Yeah. So obviously that's not always good for you, but how do you manage keeping that momentum do you allow yourself a break do you is it good to take breaks what are your thoughts on that yeah absolutely i mean when i finish an event i sign up for the next one straight away and (laughs) and my year is pretty much jam-packed now with events but um definitely uh you know seeking a coach if you you aren't an experienced athlete um Mm -hmm. i have coaches um that look after you know my running program my physio my nutrition things that that I'm not good at again, mm. again it's about like handing that to someone else but mm-hmm. um, I'm very good at knowing what my body is capable of and how my body is feeling mm. so for example yesterday um, I was pretty drained I didn't have a very good sleep the night before 
And I thought, you know, like I can train, I'll train this afternoon, but I'll probably train at 60% of my capabilities. So Mm -hmm. rather than doing that, I'll go home and rest and have a nap. And I had a three hour nap. And then, you know, today I was able to hit two training sessions at 100% intensity. Mm. And that's so much better for you than, you know, doing that 60% session yesterday. And then today you're probably only training at 80%. And then by the time the weekend comes, you're absolutely gone Mm -hmm. or whatever day it is. So yeah, rest is... Rest is so important and so um, underrated. Mm. Sleep, etc., and that is when your body changes and adapts to to um, what your the stresses that you're putting your body under. Yeah, for sure. So I think, um, and it's kind hard. It's like a mindset, you know. Yeah. You, you tell people, hey, you should rest today, and they're like, no, I need to do something. I need to. Do. And I used to be like that, but take a walk. Mm. Just go, just go mm. for a walk. Go for a swim. Mm. Jump in the ocean. Do something. Have an infrared sauna, that'll make you sweat, you know, like if, if sweating's your thing, like make, make better decisions around that because it will pay off um, in the long run. Awesome, man. And I think for people that may not necessarily be in the fitness space, yeah, so shifting again away from, you know, that obviously it's a big, big, big part of your life. But what I've learned a lot about from you is along the mindset, yep. I guess in that mindset space as well. So if you had to, you know, be the best business coach and mentor in the world, but with a fitness kind of mindset, what would you say to the CEO of the biggest bank of Australia? What advice would you give him? Not in in a sense of business advice, but in a sense of like drive, motivation, and the momentum to keep moving forward. What would you be telling him to focus on? Is it the stepping back and taking a rest in order to drive forward? Is it the consistency over days what is it yeah definitely consistency is a big big thing stepping back and and overseeing what you're in control of and what you're not in control of and what what you can focus on i guess um and you know learning from those failures awesome man all right guys well i think we've reached the end of our podcast benny thank you so much for coming today i'm really 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 grateful that you were here with us and i think we managed to share some great in, uh, insights with everyone. Um, and I'm sure I'll be having you on the podcast in a, whenever it is, few weeks, months time. And we'll probably have something cool to talk about. Probably I would imagine like a 400,000 kilometer run across Antarctica. <laughs> a run around. in Bali, a run in um, Bali. But yeah, no, so really excited. Um, Forda Media, my company will be actually following Benny in Bali in May. Yeah. And, and how long are you running? End of May, you're running in the Bali Hope Bali Hope Run. It's a double marathon, so 84Ks from, <laughs> from coast to coast for Bali Children's Foundation. So Awesome. So yet again, Benny, working for and running for a greater purpose. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And Benny, thank you once again for being here with me. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Legend. <laughs>